on with our One Another series that we've been going through. And it hit me while we were singing this song, How Good It Is. That's a great theme song for this One Another series. So with one voice, we'll sing to the Lord, and with one voice, we'll live out His Word. Till the whole earth sees the Redeemer has come, for He dwells in the presence of His people. Today we're going to speak on comfort one another. Comfort one another as Brother Peyton read this morning in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Therefore comfort one another with these words. There is a role that we have as church members as a unified body to help each other in times of sorrow in times of stress, in times of need, in times of tribulation, in times of affliction, we are to come together and comfort one another. The fact is that in various periods of each of our lives, each of us is going to need some type of comfort. We lose loved ones. Spouses of 50 or 60 years, they pass away. That's sad. People lose children. It's traumatic and sad. Marriages struggle. Children rebel. Spouses fight. These are all troubling, troubling events. And sometimes just simply living out the gospel brings you affliction in your life as well. Just loving God, just trying to do what He would have you to do, brings tribulation, brings affliction, brings trouble. Now Paul could speak from much experience on that aspect of it, of just having tribulation and affliction and affliction simply for doing what God had called him to do. But there are all types of ways that we need comfort in our afflictions. Now, we don't all have the same life situations. We don't have the same upbringings, the same backgrounds, the same ethnicities, the same likes, dislikes, or different genders, two of them. But what we all do have is a commonality in Jesus Christ. Now I've heard it said that you need to be able to have lived someone's experience to be able to relate to them and to comfort them. That's not true. We don't all have the same experiences. Everyone hasn't had the same background that I have had. I'm going to use a few examples from... The last message I preached, I have to go back a couple of Sundays to uh, confessing to one another. But I gave the example of my PTSD from my first responder days and how two brothers lifted me up. Now those two brothers don't have the same experiences that I have. They didn't live through and see the things that I saw. But they didn't have to to be able to lift me up. They just needed to be there to pray for me, to love me, and to bear me. So do not think as we're going through this that you cannot comfort a brother and sister because you have not experienced what they're going through. But we all have pressures. We all have these pressures in life. This word... Uh, trouble and sufferings is the same Greek word which means affliction. It's the same word and Greek word in both instances and it means affliction. And that affliction literally means pressure or pressing together. It's using somewhat of the reference of, of pressing the oil, the olives to get olive oil. The oil doesn't come out unless that olive is pressed. It's afflicted. It's troubled. It's crushed. That's the word picture here with this 
affliction. Now, all of our afflictions are not going to be the same. Some people are going to have physical afflictions. And they may need comfort through their physical pain. Some people may have spiritual afflictions where their spirit is troubled or they're struggling with a sin in their life. They may need some comfort. Some may have emotional or mental affliction where they suffer through depression or anxiety. They may need some comfort. But the point in all of those is there is a crushing pressure, an affliction, a trouble, a tribulation that is in their life that they themselves cannot seem to find their way out of. That they can't just snap their fingers and wake up happy. Don't we wish we could do that? Yes. I wish I could just make myself be happy today. I'm tired of being depressed. I'm just going to stop being depressed. It, it doesn't work that way. I am tired of being afflicted at work because I try to live a Christ life like. I'm just going to make the affliction stop. Well, you can't do that if you're going to continue to live Christ like. I wish I could just make my pain go away. I can't do that. So, in each of these different tribulations, troubles, afflictions, we feel a pressure on us. Paul's ministry, there was always something or someone trying to stop him. Whether it was uh, people in the church trying to refute him, whether it was civic leaders trying to beat him, whether it was Jews literally trying to kill him, Paul felt these pressures. Paul felt tribulation. Paul felt physical discomfort, mental discomfort. He was tired. The man was tired and beaten down. He felt the crushing pressures of his life on him. Satan's attempt to Paul was to weaken his ministry. If he couldn't kill him, then he would just weaken his ministry. Satan is still out. The powers of darkness are still working to kill your ministry, to kill your spiritual life, to kill your spiritual thriving in Jesus Christ. Satan will attack you all in different ways. He doesn't attack us all in the same ways. We have different strengths and different weaknesses. But Satan will try to attack each and every one of us. And when he does... It hurts. It's troubling. The affliction is not fun. And he will continue to do this. He will continue to put trial after trial after trial. Tragedy after tragedy. Just look at the life of Job. And the lives of Joseph. Trouble after trouble after trouble to pressure, to squeeze, to afflict. And that brings us all to the same point in life. We need comfort. Now there may be times in your life where you don't need the comfort as much. So remember what Mike and I have both said about all of these one another's. All of the one another's that we're preaching about are a two-way street. A two-way street. We are to bear one another. Not you do all the bearing and never get bared. We're to bear one another. You're to confess to one another. You confess and you receive confessions. We're to endure one another. And we are to be endured. Sometimes you need to comfort another. And sometimes you yourself need comfort. Now in all of these one another's, pride has to go out the door. You may be willing to comfort others. You may be willing to hear the confessions of others. You may be willing to bear others. But if you're prideful, you won't confess. If you're prideful, you don't want someone else to comfort you. If you're prideful, you don't want someone else to have to endure and bear you. You can do this on your own. 
But the one another's is a body of believers. That's what this song that we sang, how good it is when the family of God dwells together in spirit and in faith and unity. We must be unified in every one of these one another's, both willing to give and willing to receive. So there will be times in your life where you need to comfort others. But there's going to be times, and this one's harder, much, much harder to receive comfort. It's easy to go give someone a hug and say, I'm here with you. I'm with you. I care for you. It's a lot more uncomfortable when you're the one grieving. You're the one going through a tribulation or a trial or a pressure of life. And for someone to just come up and put their arm around you and say, I'm here with you. You don't know my situation. You don't know what I'm going through right now. Just hugging me and saying, I'm here with you. It's hard to do. We need comfort. Comfort is a word in Greek that is paraklesis. It's a calling near or a summons, especially for help. It comes from the word paraclete. So when we look at the God of all comfort in verse 3, who comforts us in our tribulation, that means one who literally comes alongside of you. God, the one who comes beside you. God, the one who comes beside you in your tribulation. Who comes with you in your trial. Who comes with you in the pressures of this life. He comes along to help you. How does He help you? He gives us refreshing of our spirit. But what is most important is He imparts His strength Upon us, the strength to endure. We cannot endure these trials alone. The grief of losing a loved one is sometimes too hard to bear. But when you have the God of all comfort who comes with you in that time of grief, we are able to bear. When you have the afflictions of your mind, you're facing depression. You've contemplated suicide. You don't want to go on any longer. Then the God of all comfort comes with you, comes beside you to give you strength. The fact is we need that comfort. We need Him with us. Now, Paul had called out for help from God. He knew that this help flowed from God. You'll see that later in this same book of 2 Corinthians. We'll get to that in a moment. But Paul had called to God, God, I am in a desperate state right now. I cannot bear this, God. And Paul had experienced the coming along of God the Comforter with him. David threw out the Psalms. God, I cannot do this alone. I'm in a wilderness. I'm dying. I'm being hunted. I cannot do this alone. I wasn't going to turn, but we're going to anyway. Psalm Let's just go to 63, 61, 62, and 63. If you are ever in a state of affliction, go to these three psalms. Now, when I told you all of my trial with PTSD, I still struggle. It's not gone. The troubles are still there. I still wake up with nightmares. My wife still has to wake me up with nightmares when I'm screaming out at night. And she has to wake me. But what I do now is I don't lay there in fear. I don't lay there dwelling on what haunted me. I go to the God of comfort. These three psalms bring so much comfort to an afflicted soul. We're not going to read all of these, but I have verses highlighted that I jump to whenever I need them. Psalm 61 
verses 3 and 4. For thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the cover of your wings. Psalm 62, verse 2. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. Verse 5, 6, and 7. My soul wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from Him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Psalm 63 verses 7 and 8. Because thou hast been my help, therefore in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. My soul followeth hard after thee. Thy right hand upholds me. David is crying out to God in his deepest of trials, in his darkest of nights. And he's saying, God, I need comfort. I need some peace right now in my life because I don't have it. I'm being hunted. People are trying to kill me. I'm alone. And I will cry out to you. Paul experienced this. Paul had experienced this in the end of 2 Corinthians chapter in the end of the book of 2 Corinthians, through his physical pains, where he cried out to God in desperation, God, I can't keep going. And then both of them felt the God of comfort come along with them, come beside them. The arms of their father embracing them and hugging them. When my child is scared, the biggest comfort they get is when they run to their mother's or their father's arms and their parents hug them and hold them. You feel the fear leave their body because they need comfort. We need that from God. We need comfort from God. We need comfort. And we find that comfort in God. We find that comfort in Him. It's because of the blood of Jesus Christ that has given us the presence of the Spirit who is the great comforter. Now we are comforted not so that we are all of a sudden at ease. It doesn't stop there. We are comforted so that we can then go and comfort others. That's where the one another comes in. Comfort one another. Don't receive the comfort yourself and then just stay silent. Give it back to your brothers and sisters. Because we want to impart strength. We want to impart courage to them the same way that we needed it. And sometimes you may have to comfort each other at the same time. But what we must understand, this is very, very important. Comfort does not eliminate the suffering and pain. Oftentimes, that suffering and pain will still be there. Whether it's emotional, whether it's just sadness, whether it's a physical pain, a mental trial. Understand that comfort does not eliminate it. Comfort gives you the strength to endure it, to bear it, to go through that refiner's fire, which is not comfortable. It hurts. The trials hurt. The tribulation hurts. But the comfort we receive of the Spirit through His people gives us the strength to endure through that affliction. So that means sometimes you may have to comfort again and again and again. So be patient with one another. We'll get to that sermon at another time. But be patient in your comfort with one another. Someone may be struggling and you go and give them comfort. And they seem to perk up a bit and they have have the strength to go forward. And then three days later, 
you have to go back and comfort them again. Comfort one another. Because you yourself know most of us sadly have had to live through this where we need comfort again and again. It's comforting people in their suffering, not comforting them out of their suffering. It's comforting them in their suffering. Comfort to sustain them. We're not going to bypass this suffering. 1 Thessalonians 1 chapter 3 says that we have endurance, patience that produces hope. You have to go through this situation that's causing you to have to endure. You have to go through the situation that causes you to be patient in order to get to the hope. These aren't quick fixes. It's not a snap your fingers, give a quick witty word and people snap out of it. Our hope comes through the enduring of the trial. I can walk through this because I know the promises of God. Because I know that my brothers and sisters are there with me through every step of the way. That is how we bear through these trials. Now there are some things that we need to remember, just some practical things that we need to remember when we are providing comfort to those who are afflicted. Remember that suffering, affliction isn't a retribution for their sins. That minimizes the cross of Christ. It's not a retribution for their sins. Now, are there consequences to sins? Absolutely, there are. And we all have to deal with those consequences. But God is not punishing someone again because of their sin. The cross of Christ bore that burden. But sometimes our sins do cause us through human means to go through some trials. Remember that the Spirit is the comforter and the helper. The Spirit gives us access to all the peace of God through the gospel of God. The Spirit does something. He testifies of What and who? He testifies of Jesus. That's what Jesus said. I will send Him and He will testify of me. So when we are comforting people through the comfort of God, remember that it focuses around Jesus Christ. Not our trials, not our struggles. Those are part of it. But our comfort focuses on Jesus Christ by bringing to remembrance what He has done for us. Now this is going to take discernment. Much discernment, as I said in my last message. Some uh, sanctified common sense when you're helping people who are in affliction. You know, sometimes there's something that needs to be said to get someone out of a state of sadness. But sometimes you just simply need to weep with those who weep. If someone's child dies first verse that you say to them should not be, God works all things together for the purpose of His will. Is that verse true? Yes. Is it what they needed to hear right then when their child died? No. Sometimes you just need to cry with people. Weep with those who weep. Mourn with those who mourn. There will be a time for certain passages of truth for them to hear. But you need to use some loving discernment and when you say those passages to them. Sometimes they just need you to simply sit with them. Just be there. They just know that you care. And that may be all that they need to get through that trial that day is knowing I'm not alone. I have a brother... But I have a sister who is sitting with me. Not saying a word, but I know that they're there. Some people might like to talk a lot. You need to take that into 
consideration. They may want a good conversation to help them get out of this. Some may not be wordy people at all. Some may just want you to be there and say, I love you. And that's all they needed to hear. So what that goes back to is when I was talking about confessing to one another in that sermon, you're not going to confess to someone that you don't know very well. There comes the one another's. Living in unity as a body. You brothers and sisters, if we are called to comfort one another, we must know one another. You need to actually know if that person's a talker. You need to know if they're the silent type. You need to know if they're the one that just wants you to be present. You need to know if they're the one that just wants you to bring a meal. They just need a hug. Or maybe they're not a hugger. We need to know our brothers and sisters because we are a body together. We are to be unified together and therefore we should know one another because that is going to help us know in how we should comfort that brother or sister that is going through that struggle. The best way that I could show you or that God has shown us on how to comfort is to use the model of the great comforter himself. Model after the great comforter. Now there's four things I want to show here. The first one is the comfort of presence. The comfort of presence. In John 14, 16, Jesus says, When I depart, it is needful for me to depart. It's not expedient for me to stay here. But when I go, I will send another. And he will abide in you. Imagine the comfort the apostles were feeling when they knew that Jesus' presence would ever be with them. These were scary times for them. The Savior was going to be drug away and crucified. They had walked with Him daily for three years, learning at His feet. And then He's going to be gone and they wouldn't see Him. And He says, take comfort. I am simply with you. It's the comfort of presence of His presence with us. Matthew 28, 20. Lo, I am with you to the end of the world. Jesus is saying there, I am with you every day. I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. I am present with you. God, are you present with me in this trial? I am with you every day. Are you present with me in my fears? I am present with you every day. Are you present with me in my grief? I am present with you always. Psalm 23. I will fear no evil for... Finish that verse. What is it? For thou art with me. I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. You are present with me, God. What comfort. Isaiah chapter 41. Here he's speaking to his future church. Isaiah 41 verse 10, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. Yes, I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. I am with you. Isaiah 43 Verse 2, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. Verse 5, fear not, for I am 
with you. You know, sometimes that's the model we need to take with people. Just be with them. We're not God. We're not the Spirit. We cannot indwell with them. But if you want to know how to comfort someone, just look at what the Holy Spirit does as a practical example. Be present in times of trouble for others. But for you, when you need comfort, you look to the God of all comfort. Because He has promised that He is with you. Not I will be with you. Not down the road I'm going to be with you. Not when you straightened up, I'll come alongside you. Not when you figured it out, I'll be with you. Not when you've picked yourself up out of this situation. When you stopped crying, then I'll come along with you. He says, I am with you. Right now, today, always, every day. I am with you. Then we have comfort of the Word. Comfort of the Word. John 14 again in verse 26. Jesus speaking of the great comforter that will come. What is the comforter going to do? Is He going to pat them on the back and say, It will be okay? No. He says, He will teach you. And He will bring remembrance. He can teach in ways that we can't. He can convict and correct in ways that we can't. But sometimes there is a time for teaching in people's trials, in times of people's troubles. And sometimes that teaching can bring comfort. You sow the seed and let the Spirit do the watering of comfort. Sometimes that's all you need to do. That goes back to the discernment. But sometimes people do need to hear some of those truths of Scripture in their time of affliction. You're not guaranteed to bring them comfort that day. Sow the seed of comfort. Sow the seed through the Word of God. And the Spirit will bring about the work of comfort. John 15, 26 says, The Comforter will testify and bear witness of me. So as you're sowing those seeds through the Word of God, you're bringing to remembrance what? Ah, life is good. You're good enough. It's okay. It will get better. You're bringing to remembrance Jesus Christ to their mind. You're bearing witness and you're testifying of Jesus Christ. Maybe through your own personal example of salvation. Through the way that He has helped you through a trial. But you're bearing witness of Christ. So you bring comfort in the Word. You bring comfort in the Word. That's the passage that Brother Peyton read this morning. Comfort. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 18. People were sorrowing. Why? Because there was death. They had been taught some untruths about the resurrection of the dead. And so they were thinking that since their loved ones had died, that when Jesus comes and they are taken up, what was going to happen with their loved ones? Would they not reach heaven? Boy, that would bring some sadness, wouldn't it? To think that my loved one has died. I don't know where their eternal state is going to be because they died before God came back. He's bringing them comfort in times of death. But his comfort wasn't that it's going to be okay. We all have loved ones that die. He brings them comfort with the truth of the promises of God that He gives through His Word. What did the comfort come with that Paul is saying? This is what you comfort one another with. He says, sorrow not, even as others have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them which sleep that are dead in Jesus will God bring with Him. For this we say by the word of God that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord should not prevent 
them which are asleep. For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Comfort each other with that word. Then we which are alive and remain shall be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Remind each other of the truths, of the promises of God. Sometimes we have to be reminded that we're going to go through the trials. But then we need to be reminded that we have a comforter who comes along with us in those trials. We're not comforting people with the wisdom of man or some witty sayings that we've come up with. You're comforting them with the truth of God, the promises of God. Comfort them with, He says, I will be with you always. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. When they understood this church at Thessalonica, when they understood what Paul was telling them, they could find comfort in knowing the state of their dead loved ones. And the promise fulfilled that Paul had taught them that they would be together in heaven, worshiping God together. What comfort does that bring to you when a loved one passes, knowing that this is not the end? Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Comfort one another. Number three, comfort one another with Christ. Going to the throne of grace again and again. Jesus is not a concept. He is a person. He is not a thought. He is a person who is God. Jesus right now sits upon a throne. Take comfort in knowing that He is on that throne of Revelation 5. He is on the throne. You go to His throne of grace again and again and again and again. As oft times as you need comfort, you go to the living Jesus Christ who sits upon the throne. We're to have a relationship with Him. He has bought you to have a relationship with Him. The sin of Adam that severed that relationship with God has been restored through the second Adam, the blood of Jesus Christ. He has purchased you with His own blood and He has called you His own. You are to have a relationship with Him. So go to Him. Speak to Him. Commune with Him. Plead with Him at His throne. Comfort yourself with Christ. Because He knows, doesn't He? He knows all of our trials. He knows all of our sufferings. Hebrews 4.15 says that He has suffered as we have suffered. He's not a God who does not understand. He's not a Christ upon a throne who has never felt suffering. He has been tempted as we have been tempted. He has suffered. And He, He can give comfort. He is the only true source of comfort because He knows. Find comfort in knowing that you have peace with God through Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 5. Homework for tonight. Read Romans chapter 5. We were at once enemies of God, but we have been made to have peace with Him through the blood of Jesus Christ. Take comfort in knowing that you are on God's side because Jesus has brought you there. Now there's a fourth aspect that we're going to go through quickly. I hope quickly. Comfort in dealing with personal sin. Ah, oh, man. 
You just messed it all up. How am I supposed to find comfort in dealing with my personal sin? You just said, find comfort in the presence of God, find comfort in His Word, and find comfort with Christ. And we are to be present with people, show them the Word, and remind them of Christ. Now you say, find comfort in dealing with personal sin. Well, that goes back to the last message of confessing one to another. What follows that confession? What was the word that follows confession? And then, pray. Pray for one another. Do you know what that prayer brings to that person who is dealing with that sin, who has just come to you to confess? And then you pray with them? I'm telling you from personal experience, it brings comfort. There is so much overflowing comfort in knowing that you have brothers and sisters praying over you. Helping you fight through your sins. Proverbs 28.13 says, Apart from confession there is no comfort. There is no forgiveness of sins without confession. You'll find no comfort in your sin without confessing that sin. And God will bring you conviction of that sin... But you can't provide comfort to someone who is hardened in their sin and you yourself will not receive comfort when your heart is hardened in your sin. So when we go to confess, because we've acknowledged what our sin is, we go confess. And we confess to a brother or sister so that they can pray for us, so that we can be healed. That's what that verse says. Confess one another. And then pray for one another so that you may be healed. That's your comfort in knowing that you're being healed. Repenting of your sins is the tasting of the goodness of God. 1 John 1.9 tells us that. That when we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. There is comfort, knowing that God does not hold that sin over you. That He is faithful to forgive you. That He is just in forgiving you. There is comfort. Paul had experienced this, as I said. He had lived this. This isn't an academic exercise for Paul, or just some theological essay that he's written. He lived this. He had lived this. In the same chapter of uh, in the same book of chapter twelve, verses eight, nine, ten, and eleven, that in that frame, he's saying, "I had thorns in the thorn in my flesh, and I pleaded with God three times, God, take this away." And then God answered and said, "No, Paul, I will not take the thorn away. I won't. Why not, God? It hurts. I'm doing Your will." Because my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Did Paul find comfort in that? Yes, he did. But his thorns are still there. He's still hurting. He's still in tribulation. He's still in trial. He's still afflicted. How is there comfort in that? Because he's holding firm to the presence of God in his life and the promises of God in his life. Paul feels the comfort He knows the comfort even in his trial. That's why he says, Most gladly therefore would I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. The Comforter has come alongside me and I can bear this. The Comforter is present with me and I can bear these thorns. Paul was confident in all of the promises of God in all of the work of God in his life. Philippians 1.6 For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Paul found comfort in the promises of Jesus Christ. Paul found comfort in knowing that in my trial, he has come along beside me as my comforter. So how do we comfort one another? Since we can't do the job of the Holy Spirit, 
Sometimes we need to remind people of things. When, when I was at Mighty Oaks, as I explained in, in my last sermon, there was one thing that they really impressed upon us in our minds. It's the four B's. If y'all were at the um, men's conference in Ripley, uh, Lewis got up and spoke after I did, and he referenced these four B's. And this is an encouraging that person to walk in the Lord, to take comfort in the Lord in practical ways. Be in the Word. Be in the Word. Take comfort in the Word. Be in prayer. Pleading to God. Be in prayer. Be in church. Be with this body so that you can be part of the one another. If you are not in this church and you are not a part of the one another, then it's a challenge to comfort you. It's a challenge to bear you. And number four, be in authentic Christian relationships. Authentic Christian relationships. Not the Sunday morning where you come and give a head nod and walk away. Know your brothers and sisters. Remind Yourself, and remind the ones that you are comforting of those four B's. In closing, I'm going to be very vulnerable to you. With my personal experience again, I I told you all about the PTSD that I have where I still... I see things, uh, I have nightmares of things that um, I experienced. And um, I needed comfort. A lot of comfort. And I simply could not find it. So the four examples that I gave you of just being present. I don't want to cause my wife embarrassment, but this is important. There were times where I would just break down at home crying. There were times where I would completely just zone out. And I would, in my mind, revert back to a situation that I was in. And it would bring me to tears. And my wife could see that. And she would quietly take me by the hand... And take me to our room and just hug me. I didn't need her to say anything at that time. I just needed her to be present with me. And she had the discernment to know I didn't want to talk about it. But I needed someone to be present. There was another time where I was struggling again and I was weeping. And she took me to our room and she laid my head in her lap and she read the Psalms. She knew I needed more than just her presence at that time. She knew I needed some comfort from God's Word. And she read those Psalms to me. There were times where I was in a state and she would simply come to me and start to pray with me. She reminded me of Christ. She brought to mind Christ's work in my life. So she was present with me without saying anything. Then she brought the Word of God to remembrance. And then we went to God In prayer. And then when I went to Mighty Oaks, I had acknowledged some of those sins in my life, that sin of abandoning the family in my mind, in my heart, not being present with them. And when I broke down crying at Mighty Oaks because I realized that for six months I had not been a father, 
and I confessed that sin to God, I felt comfort. I felt peace. And then when those two brothers prayed over me in the office at church, that was some comfort. And every time they text me or call me, my heart is lifted because they are comforting me in their encouragement. Comfort doesn't come in clever answers or secret remedies or some kind of secret wisdom that we have. Paul is simply going to comfort the Corinthians by the exact same comfort that he lives in daily. The the comforts of the promises of God Almighty. He reminds them of God. Of the comfort that God is present with them even now today. Comfort doesn't mean you're going to fix everybody's problems. Comfort doesn't mean that you're going to come in in some rescuing form. You're going to sweep down and save the day. Bring them out of that state. Lay out little nuggets of wisdom that they should have seen all along. Comfort comes in the form of loving others by reminding them of God. Who is the God of all comfort? By bringing to mind that Jesus Christ is present with them today. He is alongside of you today as the great comforter. So church, let us remember to comfort one another. Let's pray. God, we know that we know the truths of Scripture. We read them. But sometimes, Lord, we just need to be reminded that you are present with us. Lord, I pray that we as a church would see each other. Not just with our eyes, but Lord, we would see each other. And we would know when someone is hurting, when someone is struggling, when someone has fears or pains. Lord, we wouldn't always just try to fix the problem. But God, we would just simply comfort one another. That we would be there just to be present. That we would remind each other of the Word of God, that we would bring to remembrance Jesus Christ in our lives. God, may we be a unified church. A unified church who is willing and ready and able to comfort one another through the Comforter in us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.